are a more recent date, especially from the Ottoman period. So you can kind of see how we have smaller stones uh, that are from later periods. And it's like, that's kind of how it is historically. The bigger the stones are, the farther back in time. It's real, it's, it's, you know, we talk about how advanced we are with technology and stuff, but it's literally like we're going backwards. And so the stones get bigger going farther back. And then below there, there are these western wall tunnels you can take, uh, trips you can do, where they've got like these massive stones that nobody knows how they moved them. Supposedly one of them, they say, estimate weighs over 500 tons. And nobody knows how they moved that. But uh, Herod the Great, historically, he was known as a great builder. And he's the one who probably started this. But even, even this wouldn't have been there in Solomon's time. This stuff up here wouldn't have even been there during Jesus' time. These things came a whole lot later. But I, want, I do want to read a passage of Scripture to you. That this passage right here is such a key Scripture that we ought to understand as Christians. This passage of Scripture right here is ignored by dispensationalists. They don't talk about it dispensationalists often will talk, not all of them, but like the, the hyper kinds, they will talk about how Hebrews is a tribulation epistle. It's one that is for the Jews. And um, obviously it was written towards Jews, but not for the tribulation. It was written for Jews back during the time, right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, trying to get them to understand that them following Christ is not a violation of God's law. It's actually obedience to God's law. That's what the book of Hebrews is doing. And so for people to teach that, you know, this is something that's going to come into play later for the Jews is absolutely ridiculous. And look at what the writer said in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 10. At the end of the book, he says, we have an altar whereof they, who's he talking about? And without a doubt, he's talking about Jews who are still hanging on to the things of the temple, which these people all believe at one time sat right back there. And right here, he's saying, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. And so, assuming this was a part of the temple complex, one of the things that they would do back then is they had sacrifices that they would take outside of the camp that they would offer up as a sacrifice. And so, right here, and all of those sacrifices, it's taught earlier in Hebrews, were a shadow of what was to come. That Jesus was the fulfillment of those. And so, just like they used to take sacrifices outside of the camp it says wherefore jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate you know what he's saying jesus went outside those walls jesus went outside that gate let us go therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach you know what he's telling the jews these people that are obsessed with inside there, these people who are standing in outer darkness, who are weeping and wailing and wanting to get back in, wanting to go back to the things of the temple, wanting a temple to be rebuilt. That's what these people are all doing who deny Christ, who have their backs you know, towards the outside of the camp, looking inward. 
They're wanting to go back to those things, of the, uh, the sacrifices. But the writer of Hebrews says, let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. He's saying, you know what? You guys, you need to leave this and you need to follow him, talking about Jesus, without the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, bearing his reproach, who's going to give him reproach? Who's going to hate on him? As he's telling Jews, follow Jesus without the camp, it's because people like that, they're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. And you know what the writer of Hebrews says? Do it. Bear his reproach. For here, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Who's he saying this to? He's saying this to, to Jews who he's trying to get to follow after Christ. He says, here, on earth, we have no continuing city. But what do they do? They go and they've conquered this land. They've, they've got their flag there. They conquered this area during the Six-Day War back in 1967. And they've been claiming this area as theirs. They supposedly became a nation again in 1948. And they're there occupying that land, demanding a city, wanting everyone, to, the world, to recognize this as their city, to recognize it as their city of Jerusalem. They want the world to get behind them building the temple. And it's in direct violation to the Gospels. It's in direct violation to Hebrews. It's in direct violation to the law of God. And, they, and, and the thing is, people today... Christians are going there. It's like, this place belongs to the Jews. The writer of Hebrews said, we don't have any continuing city here. We seek one that's to come. What is that? It's the new Jerusalem. It's a better Jerusalem. Folks, this Jerusalem stinks. Literally. You go, you go most places around Jerusalem, the littering is off the charts. The trash is everywhere. But a lot of times you'll see these beautiful pictures of the city and stuff. If the cameraman just took their camera and pointed down in most of those places, you know what you'd see? Trash everywhere. Trash everywhere. On the Mount of Olives, there was one area where we were at where we were filming stuff, and we, were, we, we parked in this one area, and there's all these houses back there, and everybody just piles their garbage. Just, there's no dumpster. There's just piles of garbage. It's just the, the amount of trash in Jerusalem is... is off the charts. It's just, I, I've never seen anything like it. But it says, By Him therefore, talking about Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. What we should be doing is just praising Jesus. We shouldn't be trying to conquer a city. We should be giving glory to God. We should be praising the name of Jesus Christ. We should be proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. We should be following Him. And we follow Him outside the camp. But these people... Because they are in rebellion and they reject Christ, they want back into the temple. But in reality, these are people that are standing in outer darkness, weeping, wailing, wanting to get back in. But not only are they shut out of that area, they're shut out of the real kingdom. They are not, they are not saved and they are on their way to hell. And so, I'll show you another picture. So right here's a cool picture of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And again, whoever took this picture, if he had pointed it down, if he's not in the cemetery, uh, then he's gonna, you're going to be like basically standing in trash. This is kind of how it is everywhere. But this is the eastern, right there's the eastern, what they call the eastern gate. So on the opposite side, it's where the western wall is. So somewhere in there is where everybody goes. And they make a great big deal about that wall. And you'll notice too, in that thing I read off Wikipedia about the Wailing Wall, they'll tell you, that this is a retaining wall because right here there was, there's a large rock, a large protruding stone that sticks up there. 
And, you know, they believe that Abraham sacrificed Isaac there, and, they, and the Jews believe that the temple is there. And so there's this large protruding stone there that sticks up. So they went and they filled all this area in with dirt, built a platform, and they made that wall as kind of a retaining wall. So it's a good high place. It's a very good spot for a fortress, like the Roman fortress Antonia that history talks about. And this was, this was a Roman fortress area. You know, we believe the temple was over in that area. But, but either way, there's absolutely nothing in history, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about a large protruding stone being in the, uh, in the area where the temple was. There's absolutely nothing about it. But you know what the Bible does tell us, interestingly enough, that the temple was built on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Right? Now, here in America, we're probably not real familiar with what a threshing floor is. But let me show you a few pictures of a threshing floor. So here's an example of one where they thresh wheat, and it's a, it's a large, flat spot. You don't do that on top of a large protruding stone on top of a mountain. You know, that you have to go climb up and do it. No, it's typically a flat platform they make. Here's another one that they made. Uh, and i uh, got a few different pictures of them. So that's an example of what a threshing floor is. Because threshing it, uh, means to tramp or stamp heavily with the feet. And it was later applied to the act of separating out grain by the feet of people or oxen. And it was later with the use of a flail. Uh, and so a threshing floor is two main types, especially flattened outdoor surface, usually circular and paved inside a building with a smooth floor of earth, stone, or wood where a farmer would thresh the grain harvest and then winnow it. So right there you can see some uh, examples of that. I think that's, uh, that's all I have of the threshing floor. So the western wall, I'll tell you what this is here in a second, uh, it does play an important role in Judaism. This is what it says on Wikipedia, due to its proximity to the Temple Mount. And so because of the Temple, temple Mount, uh, entry restrictions... The wall is the holiest place where Jews are permitted to pray outside of the previous temple. The Temple Mount platform, as the presumed site of the Holy of Holies, it's the most sacred site in the Jewish faith, and it lies just behind it. And so the original, natural, irregular-shaped Temple Mount was gradually extended to allow for an ever-larger temple compound to be built at its top. And the earliest source mentioning this specific site as a place of Jewish worship is from the 17th century. It also has a place in Muslim tradition in which is believed to be the site where the Islamic prophet Muhammad tied his winged steel steed Al-Barak on his Isra, I'm saying all these words wrong, to Jerusalem before ascending to paradise and constitutes the western border of the Al-Haram Al-Sharif or the Al-Aqsa compound. So that, that western wall area for Muslims, you know, it's special because they think that's where Muhammad tied his horse before he did his midnight ride where he ascended up into heaven. Okay, um, but at the same time, you will never see you never see Muslims at the Western Wall. Now you'll see literally everybody else from the world, but you won't see Muslims ever hanging around the Western Wall. Now here here's the thing. Okay, let's just think for a little bit because. I, something I, I don't think we think of a whole lot, and obviously, you know, I think I'm the only one in here that's ever been to Israel um, or the Wailing Wall. So, 
we, you know, most people don't have a reason to think of this, but stuff like this is important to understand because we don't want to contribute to some of the problems in the world. Uh, but why, if knowing what the Jews believe about you know Gentiles, knowing what they believe about holy places, have you ever wondered why in the world, if the Western Wall area is the most holy place, why they even let Gentiles over there? Have you ever thought about that? Didn't, it, didn't in the Bible, in the temple, they had outer courts that the Gentiles could come in? There were certain places, the more holy it was, the more they had to keep the Gentiles out. So why is it on their most holy place, they let Gentiles there all the time? Why is it that they'll let people like me come in there as long as I put on a hat? Why is it that they'll let people from other races? And, and why is it that you never see Muslims there? I've never seen Muslims there. It seems like they're kind of compromising on their beliefs a little bit, doesn't it? Well, the truth is, they are letting us there for a reason. And, I, I, you know, it's something um, I think that we ought to think about and keep in mind. And if we understand this too, it'll kind of help us understand and see through some of the nonsense that goes on with our politicians too. And so... Uh, before I kind of show some more pictures and explain some things, uh, I do want to say when it comes to what the Muslims say about how Muhammad tied his horse there, one thing I'll say about Muslims, pretty much any place that's special in Israel, they will just make up a tradition that's connected to them in that place to just try to make themselves look great. It's kind of like today how every new version of a movie um, you know, that's like even historical ones, they always make sure it includes like minorities and homos in there, like they were a part of our history and stuff like that. And it's just like, no, everybody was white back then, you know, but they, all, they always got to add that in there. Okay? And, it, and so the Muslims kind of do the same thing. They want to show how they're relevant over there. So they always make up some tradition that connects Islam to that spot. And it's, it's just as fake as... You know, Cleopatra being a warrior princess, feminist black woman, uh, like they made some documentary about recently. It's, it's literally that fake. And so uh, when I was in Israel, we went to the, uh, the fortress of Nimrod. And I was so excited about it. I was like, man, this fortress goes all the way back to the time of Nimrod. This is so cool. I mean, he, this guy, shortly after the flood, we went there, we see these stones that are like so well preserved and everything. And then I'm just like, man, you know, th th this is amazing. Then we go there and start reading things. And I was like, this stuff doesn't look that old. We're, we're reading the stuff. This stuff isn't that old. And basically, after we read, we're reading the things there, this place has nothing to do with Nimrod. But when the Muslims took over that area, they basically started these legends and traditions that Nimrod had built something there before. But... There's no evidence Nimrod ever had anything to do with that part. And so, you know, you can't trust what the Jews say. And you know what? I'm sorry, you can't trust what the Muslims say either. They, they, make, they make stuff up too. But, uh, but anyway, uh, when it comes to the Western Wall, um, you know, it, it's a place too that, you know, the Jews during the early Christian period of Roman rule over Jerusalem. And when I say Christian period, I mean Catholic they actually barred Jews completely from the Temple Mount, except for like once a year, they would let them come for like a national day of mourning for the Temple. 
And so that term wailing wall, it's historically been used by Christians with religious Jews considering it derogatory. And so in a broader sense, Western wall, that is the more politically correct term. And so along that wall, if you go farther down, you go underground and that's where this area is. Uh, this part right here, um, it is known as the, uh, there, that's a picture of what they call Warren's Gate, which has been sealed off. They don't want you going under that area. Uh, the Jews say it's because the Muslims don't want you finding all the proof that it belongs to them and that the temple is there and all that kind of stuff. But the Jews like getting to these spots where it's even closer because when the temple was destroyed, you know, the Shekinah glory all went down into the wall. And so the closer they can get to these areas, the closer they are to everything. But again, if these places are so holy and they're so special, why in the world are they letting Gentiles in there? And so, and again, this, this, the stuff of them going to the Western Walls has been going on for a long time. You know, here's some old pictures of Jews there along the Western Wall. A lot of stuff has changed there in the looks. This picture's quality is not very good, but a bunch of soldiers there. Uh, I forgot what year that was. This is like a drawing. So, you know, they've been doing this, you know, the stuff that's going on over there, it's been going on for a long time. And there is uh, our former president, or current president, at the Wailing Wall. Now, why am I showing you this? What is the significance of this, okay? Well, so first off, again, that Wailing Wall, um, as the way things are today, with who controls what, it's all basically been the same since the Six-Day War. During the Six-Day War, the uh, Jews actually conquered all of the old city. They took over everything, the Christian quarters, the Muslim quarters, and they even had the Temple Mount. There's a famous uh, audio of them where they said the Temple Mount is in our hands. And the Jews all over the world just went nuts with excitement, thrilled to death, but because of pressure from the global community, from the United Nations and things like that, they basically told them, you have to give that Temple Mount back to the Muslims. Otherwise, there was going to be a world war that was probably going to break out. So the Jews, they basically caved and they said, all right, fine. And the way, this is the situation as is now the status quo. Technically, the Jews could occupy and control the Temple Mount. However, they let the Muslims basically manage it. They've got a group called the Waqf that are like the, an Islamic police, the Jordan, I think it's the Jordanians. They kind of take care of things up there. But the Jews or the Israelis reserve the right for their police to be able to go up there if things get out of hand. They make the rules. They set the schedule. If Muslims start breaking the rules, the Israelis go up there and recently... Background Passover, some stuff happened. I made a video about that. And uh, the Israelis went and beat the snot out of a bunch of Muslims in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, their third most holy place that they have uh, in Islam. And, of course, people were real upset about that. But, but yeah, so they, so they gave it back. But then the Jews took back that Wailing Wall area. And so then they gave back the Church of the Holy Sepulchre to the Christians and things like that. And so... Uh, Right now, everybody's unhappy with the current situation, but nobody's shooting at each other. So everybody's just fine with it. And in the global community, they get mad at whoever rocks the boat because uh, things are very tense 
And it is. It's really weird. But again, so because of the fact that, you know, in reality, there's no clear ownership of the Temple Mount, the old city Jerusalem, the Muslims claim it's theirs, the Jews claim it's theirs, the, uh, the Christians or Catholics or Armenians, they claim some of it's theirs. But at the same time, nobody's shooting at each other right now. So, you know, what, you know, when it comes to certain things, we need to understand that everybody's behind the scenes kind of doing their own thing, hoping to advance their agenda and get what they want. And so when it comes to this idea of the wailing wall, okay, that, uh, what we need to understand and I think why this matters is um, the more people that they can get to go to the wailing wall, to follow their practices at the wailing wall, to put on their hats, for the men to go to the men's section, for the women to go to the women's section, the more people they can go, white people, black people, Asian people, to go sticking their prayers in the wall, putting their hands on the, on the bricks in the wall and praying, the more it legitimizes the Jews' occupation of that area. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to pick on people that go there and if you ever go there. Okay? Some people want to go there because they just want to see it for themselves. I mean, who doesn't want to see you know, famous places. We all want to see famous places and we all like, or historical places. We all like to go there and say, I've been there, get our picture taken there. But the thing is, in reality, the Jews, they need Christians going over there. They need people from all over the world going there. It legitimizes them being there. The more people that come over there and they get it in their head, this is the Jews area. That's where the temple was. That's where the temple was. That's the temple mount. The more people they can get calling it the temple mount instead of the, you know, the Al-Aqsa compound and things like that, the more it legitimizes them being there in the world. That way too, when they're over there agitating the Palestinians, provoking the Palestinians, and then the Palestinians retaliate and do something, then it makes it where the, the most of the world is like, we got to help the Jews. We got to help the Israelis. We got to stop them violent Palestinians and, and so what, ultimately what it is, is it's part of a, you know, them letting us go there. It's a part of a, an indoctrination campaign. It's a way of bringing awareness and support to the Jews. Listen, they don't want us there. In, in reality, if the Jews had their way, not only would all the Muslims be gone, but all the Gentiles would be gone too. They, they, don't, they don't want us there. They just, but they need us there. They need us going there, supporting them, legitimizing what they're doing. And everything you see there today, it is all about bringing awareness to the Jews and their history of the land. When we went to the, the Temple Mount Institute, the Temple Mount Institute, pretty much any Baptist group that goes to Jerusalem is going to go to the Temple Mount Institute and then they're going to come back to their church and they're going to tell their churches, they're trying to build a temple mount right now. They got everything ready to go. And they dramatize it and they make it better than it is every time. And folks, we went there, we asked questions. They flat out said, no one's trying to get the temple rebuilt. And we, and we asked them, so you know, what are you guys doing and raising money for? And they said, it, and they said it's all about bringing awareness to the Jews and our custom and... You know, our religion. That's, that's what they told us. 
He said, nobody's trying to rebuild the temple. People, t- people are saying that. There's all, ki- there's all kinds of rumors. But not only are those artifacts they have in there that are fake, never going to be used in a temple even if they rebuild one. That organization will have nothing to do with the rebuilding of the temple. All it is is one small group that is about bringing awareness to the Jewish people and about lifting them up. And man, Christians are buying into it hook, line, and sinker. They're falling for it big time. And, and so, in reality, they need to get the world on their side. Now, this moment right here where Trump is there, you know, wearing a yarmulke, you know, which why couldn't you just wear a Make America Great Again hat? I mean, you, they'll let you wear a ball cap. Now, it's more respectful if you wear a yarmulke or something like that. Anytime a politician or something goes, they show maximum respect, wear a yarmulke. I wore my patty cap I got from Ireland. But just, you know, I, I'm not a hat person, but I wanted to go there, so I, I put on a hat. But I, I was like, I'm not putting on a yarmulke. I'm not, I'm not showing them that respect. You know, and so, but um, him doing that, did you know, he was the first sit, um, sitting president to visit the Wailing Wall. And that was, that was a big deal because of the fact that now we have a U.S. president who's legitimizing Israel. He had also, I think this was on the same trip too, where he went there and declared it, the cap, you know, the, or the America was going to recognize or move their embassy to Jerusalem. They were going to recognize as the capital. And you say, why is it a big deal if Israel's already declared Jerusalem their capital? Because they need the world agreeing. They need the world agreeing. That way, when, again, when they're provoking the Palestinians, and if the Palestinians do anything, the world will be on their side. Because it was, it was the global community that stopped them from completely taking over the Temple Mount. And, be, and the thing is, if they had taken over the Temple Mount, they probably would have started building the temple a long time ago. You know, the Antichrist probably would have showed up. And so the thing is, you know, there's things withholding them right now. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to prepare the world to ultimately accept them as a people. And, but understand, they are the beast system. The Antichrist is going to come from that. So why would we as Christians go supporting anything, legitimizing anything they're doing? I'm not telling you if you just want, for curiosity's sake, you want to go there and visit it and say you were there. But if you ever do, don't wear a yarmulke, wear a regular hat, and whatever you do, don't stick a stinking prayer in their wall. That's not going to do a single thing. Don't go praying with your hands on the wall and stuff like that, unless you're praying for God to destroy it or something like that. You know, don't, don't, don't do anything like that. Every time you do that, you're legitimizing it. You're, you're showing honor and respect and encouragement to an antichrist system, to people who have rejected Jesus Christ, and so Trump going there and doing this, this was a really big deal. Now, uh, other presidents have been to the Wailing Wall. George H.W. Bush has been there, Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, Barack Obama. But those guys either visited like before they were president or after. And so the thing is, too, it's not uncommon for dignitaries, you know, to go and visit kind of as a tourist. You know what I'm saying? And so the thing is, you know, and I don't know what all Obama did when he was in Israel, but I'm sure he probably went and visited the Wailing Wall and did some Jewish stuff. But then he probably went to the Muslim areas and did some Muslim stuff, you know, and then went to the Christian areas and did some Christian stuff. And so, you know, you can kind of do like these goodwill things. But Trump specifically going there as a president, 
while he was you know, doing all the things he was doing when he was there, that was him basically saying, I stand with Israel. I'm back in Israel. And anytime they can get dignitaries to do that kind of thing, it legitimizes what they're doing. Here's, you know, here's an American guy. I can't remember what that said exactly, but it was something for some website supporting Israel. But um, Americans, American Christians are the worst. There was one guy, American guy there, he's wearing this shirt, I stand with Israel, and he had an Amer- or a Israeli flag draped around himself and stuff, and he's there praying at the wall. And, the, and, and Christians go there and they just flaunt this stuff. I'm with you, Israel. I support you, Israel. When these people are praying towards a wall, it which is symbolic of outer darkness, and them turning their back on Christ, saying, we want back into the system that Jesus was finished with, that the writer of Hebrews told him, leave that system, follow him without the camp, and they're trying, they're trying to get back in there. Folks, that, and, you know, I'm just, to be gracious, this guy's probably just dangerously ignorant. Dangerously ignorant. But if you know the truth, and you do this kind of thing, the Pope visiting the Wailing Wall too, that was a big deal. I mean, you literally got the false prophet going and you know, backing up this. And you guess what? The, we know the Pope is going to get behind the beast. We know the Pope is going to support the Antichrist. We, we know that. There's where people stuff their prayers in there. No Christian should ever stuff a prayer into a wailing wall. Or any... We, we, don't, we, we pray directly to God. We don't send Him letters. We worship Him in spirit and truth. Hey, if you want to write down a prayer for your own personal reasons and just for memory, and so later you can go back and check it and talk about how God answered it or something like that. I don't think it's any, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, going and and following this practice, you know. So here's a bunch of Jews. Uh, that's the men's section. This is the women's section. You know, I'm surprised America support Americans support them at all when they're doing that kind of thing. There's me uh, on Sabbath, and uh, these guys are in their dress-up stuff. And uh, they were actually from uh, New York or New Jersey, um, but they were over there, and I, I had to get my picture taken with them. I had a, I had a fun conversation with those guys, uh, and so that's just another picture of the Wailing Wall. I think that's the last one that I had. I do have a yeah, so I do have a few videos I want to show you too. So. Um, you know, when you go when you go to the Wailing Wall, again, you'll you'll see people, not just Jews. It's but typically Jews and Christians there just kind of praying along the wall. Yeah, there's the guy. That's an that's an American guy. He's got a Israeli flag wrapped around himself, praying in a wall, and he's doing that just trying to encourage these people in rebellion against Jesus Christ. Basically, calling for the Antichrist. You know, these guys just going there, supporting, I, think he's, I think he's wiping tears from his eyes there. This is a guy making out with a wall. I, I came in late. He was, it was disturbing how into that wall he was. I mean, he was making out with that wall big time. This is one guy, uh, they have uh, the Torah in there. I forgot what they called. I forgot what that thing's called. I, I, I had it, but... Uh, yeah, that's in there on the Wailing Wall. And he's just going to town, dancing around, having a good time. 
showing off. But folks, I mean, these are like the hardcore Jews in there. They're all reading their Bible, having these prayers, intimate moments with the walls. They don't want Gentiles in there. But, you know, they let us come in there. And, and we're okay filming and stuff as long as it's, uh, you know, not on the Sabbath. Because, again, the more of us that go there, take pictures, share it, we're legitimizing Israel uh, in their minds. That, that's what we're doing. And in reality, that's what we are doing. You know, any, any time we're being respectful of their practices, going along with these things, and there comes a point where we've got to be careful, okay? We can cross a line with some of this stuff, participating in some of these things, because you know, 2 John 1, 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. When we are encouraging people in their wickedness, we're a partaker in their wickedness. And so we got to watch out for that. And I, you know, and, I, and I didn't even realize when we were over there just why they let us do all that. It was just kind of something I figured out when I was there. And it almost made me feel bad that I was even there, except for the fact that the whole time I was there, we're making videos exposing all this stuff. You know, we're, we're, we're doing things. I mean, I literally made one video outside the Wailing Wall where I'm just explaining how these people are in outer darkness and they need Jesus Christ. And, you know, and, you know we're, we're there showing the lie of the Western Wall that, and that it has nothing to do with it. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm justifying what we were doing. But I'm just saying, if we're not careful going to places like that, you know, we can end up just doing more to legitimize things. So again, if you ever go there, take a picture. But if you do a post about it on social media, say, drop some truth in there. You'll probably get a strike or something or get, you know, get, go to Facebook jail. But uh, we don't, we should not do anything to support that wickedness that's going on in there. They are violating everything in the Bible, especially Hebrews 13. And so understand when you see a politician go to the wailing wall, it's a big deal. That's one more na- that's one more national leader. That's one more uh, person supporting Israel, standing with Israel, and it's one step closer to uh, the beast system, antichrist religion. And I, for one, am one hundred percent opposed to it. I know it's going to come. I know the antichrist is going to come, but am I going to support him? Absolutely not. I think we need to be standing against him all the way. So hopefully that was a help. So let's pray, dear Lord. I thank you so much for uh, the book of Hebrews and the, clear, the clarity it gives us and how to understand the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. And I pray you'll help uh, us to spread the word, Lord, about not supporting and uh, getting involved uh, with an antichrist system uh, that's in rebellion against you. But I pray you'll help us to get the truth out there about it. I pray, Lord, you'll bless the uh, souling we're going to do in a Jewish community uh, this weekend, I pray we can get the truth to some and maybe see some get saved. And pray a blessed service coming up the next hour. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.